your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 341 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of our nation's capital, Ottawa, Ontario, alongside Brandon Pillar out in Collingwood. And it's a slow week for Sens News, no doubt, before we ramp up ahead of the NHL draft on July 23rd. But it is the two-year anniversary of the 2019 draft class. We take an early peek back in time and... Did the Sens make the right choice at 19? Did their second pick outperform the players in front of them? All those answers will also get in to a fun topic we threw out on Twitter at Sens Central. What are some of your best and worst experiences cheering on the Sens outside of Ottawa? All that plus Stanley Cup semifinal roundup each series is tied at two. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, June 21st, and on behalf of the Locked On Senators podcast, Pilsy, I would like to disavow any and all Robin Leonard slander. Yeah, Robin Leonard, he's just wired differently. Like, this is a guy that thrives off the haters. Now, some people, that works for them. Other people, it's going to get in their head. But this is a guy who hadn't played in a while. And let's remember, last time he played was a 7-1 beatdown from the Colorado Avalanche in game one of that second round. So he's got a lot to prove. And he wanted to see what what is everyone saying about me? Where do people have me at? And he didn't like what he saw. And he used that to his advantage as motivation to be like, I'm going to show these guys who the real Robin Leonard is. And we saw that last night. After making 26 saves, which included a win, his first win since May 7th, I may add, he mentioned he got to the rink four hours early so he could, quote, read the media, talk shit on Twitter. So that's some good, I mean, whatever gets you motivated, right? But once the puck dropped, this guy was on his game. There was that initial chance. Corey Perry put one back door and most guys that's a tap in, but not only did Leonard make the first save, how about that reach back glove to keep it zero zero? Yeah. He had to make some big saves and this was a very tight game. Like there wasn't a lot of open chances. There was a couple uh, odd man rushes that turned into chances, but really like a very, very tight game. And I mean, two, one OT game that goes to show how close these teams were And Montreal is just doing a really good job of suffocating the Vegas golden Knights. They're not able to get anything going. And Good on Robin Leonard because in these tight games, as we saw with Marc-Andre Fleury, all it takes is one poor mistake and the whole series can be altered. So this was a game where he had to be at his best. Well, it almost didn't get there, Pilsy, because it was a squeaker that got past Carey Price. Braden McNabb scored short side just between the glove and the pad, almost off the post. That's one that Carey Price needs to have. 
Yeah, Ross, as goalies, we know those are the frustrating ones because he he almost had it. He was right there. All it took was just it slips right in that hole, like you said, between the glove and the pad. And that ties things up. And that's that's exactly what Vegas needed at that point, because that crowd in Montreal, although it's low capacity, they sounded rowdy, just like they promised. They said 2,500 is going to feel like 25,000. And they made that a fact in this game. Yeah, 3,500, thank God, and hopefully it continues because we're seeing the celebrations outside are awesome in Montreal after such a tough year and a half just to see. Now, in the States, it's different, right? Dodger Stadium had 57,000 people in it the other day, but up here in Canada, we still need that reassurance that everything's going to be okay and that we will be able to pack buildings. So even just to see the outdoor celebration in Montreal have that sort of punch, It was awesome to see. Now, Vegas has been getting contributions from the back end more so than any other team. Is there a way that Montreal can slow that down? Because it affected them again last night. Like Petrangelo has had an unbelievable series last night. It was Braden McNabb. Shea Theodore has been a little more quiet, although that slap pass on on the Marcia, so I believe, goal or whoever he teed that up for was absolutely incredible. What can Montreal do to negate the offensive output by this Vegas blue line I'm not really sure Ross because this seems like a pick your poison kind of scenario right like they're doing such a good job of aggressively attacking the Vegas forwards that the forwards aren't getting any options so they're relying on the defenseman to pinch to become an extra man that the Habs aren't ready to cover or to get those shots from the point through so I think Montreal's kind of deciding we're going to do everything we can to smother those forwards and not let them get the chances and then see if the the defense won't take advantage of that and unfortunately for them the Vegas D has done a really good job of putting the puck in the back of the net so I think if you're Montreal they're kind of deciding all right we'll do our best to shut down the forwards and if the D beat us so be it seven of the nine goals that Vegas has scored in this series have come for their blue line isn't that incredible that is crazy yeah and they're getting a lot of assists too it's not just the goals Ross they're also uh, getting some apples on the board too yeah I'm stoked that it's a tied series you know what say what you want about our predictions and you can just flush those right down the toilet after I said four or five games at most but maybe this puts a little extra respect on the North Division and gives a Senators confidence through the offseason that man we hung with the with the Habs all season we better than hung with them they're six three and one against Montreal now would that translate to playoff success One, you need a goalie that has a 935 save percentage despite a bad goal against last night that really ultimately cost the game, although didn't have much of a chance on the overtime scramble. Uh, Nick Waugh throws it upstairs. Good story there, though, too. Quebec kid being able to pull that off. But that series tied at two, as is Islanders Lightning. We're going to get to our Sens topics as well later in the show. We've also got a guest announcement for later on in the week. But, Pilsy, that ending... On Saturday night, between the Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning, has to go down in history as one of the most exciting final seconds. Like the Ryan McDonough spinorama, but talk about for a goalie-friendly show, we got to give this defenseman some love. Yeah, that was an incredible save. And and like just that play overall was so wild that that ended up happening in the dying seconds because I think Varlamov is just... 
the adrenaline's coursing through his veins. He know the clock is ticking. So he's like, I'm going to aggressively attack yeah. this shot. He bit. He bit so, oh, so yeah. hard. And that spinorama just got around his left pad. And then great on Pollock. Like, he knows that that net is now empty. Farlamov is way out of his crease attacking that shot. And the one thing that he does that not a lot of defensemen can do well in the moment is he gets low and he gets his stick right down on the ice a lot of times defensemen they try to put their stick down but their glove is touching the ice and that's elevating their stick like almost to the perfect height that the puck can slip right under there but he has the wherewithal to get that stick right on the ice it hits it and then not you can't just make the save ross as a goalie you know if you're making a save, you can't leave a juicy rebound. You got to kick that out to the corner. He kicks it out to the corner too. Like that guy should be a third string goalie. If you need an emergency backup, I think they know where they're heading. Shout out to the Brandon Wheat Kings. Obviously, we've got a nice relationship with their PR staff getting us Ridley Greg, but they put out the tweet of the night because Ryan Pollock is a Wheat Kings alumni. They said, shout out to the four best goalies in Wheat Kings history. It was a photo of Ron Hextall. It was a photo of Chris Osgood. It was a photo of Trevor Kidd and then Ryan Pollock. And what's most impressive, maybe the fact that there's two and a half seconds left. So they would have easily counted the goal. It wasn't like it was right at the buzzer. And the second part, so it hits his skate. If that hits his glove and just by reaction, he closes his hand on the puck, you have a penalty shot with two seconds left. Although I'm pretty sure that the player who... It, does it just have to be a player on the ice that takes the shot? No, it's um as far as I know, it's the guy who is involved in the shooting act, right? I think you pick a player who's on the ice. I could be wrong. I'm sure somebody will let us know on Twitter at Send Central. But could you imagine it was Ryan McDonough with the game on the line? He needs to score to go to overtime. the The drama in these playoffs have been unbelievable, but it's not without the fact that the refs have been a storyline, and you don't want them to. You want them to just do their job quietly and away from attention. That hasn't been the case, especially in Montreal. We know the pandemic's played a role in this, but after what we saw in game three there, pretty egregious to go back to the exact same set of referees. Like that missed high stick on Perry in overtime is pretty unforgivable. So for them to come back last night and have another terribly refereed game, it's really affecting the product. And that's tough because this weekend of hockey was excellent outside of that yeah i mean we don't talk about refs on this show ross yeah. but <laughs> but I, well i don't know maybe i'm i'm thinking maybe it's a covid thing that like these refs are cleared to ref these games so they're the only ones available now i'm not sure about that that's just something that i thought of but yeah that that cross check to the face in overtime hey, he's standing right there i don't ridiculous if that's not a penalty in hockey then i i'm not really sure what is now i know the playoffs get intense and you can you can kind of have a looser leash but that's right to the face when he's watching so i don't know what uh where the rule book was missed on that one no it's uh, tough to watch so hopefully they can fill that out maybe the refs just need some energy. It's been a long season for anyone. So maybe we should ship Chris Lee some Built Bars. Built Bars are the protein bar that tastes like candy bars. They come in 16 amazing flavors as well. Eight are chocolate nuts. Eight are chocolate nut free. But what's great is they're all 100% covered in chocolate. That's why you think they're candy-like, but they have all the health benefits of a protein bar. Low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. They're great for health-conscious guys or girls because you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. 
I would highly recommend getting the mixed box. But with that comes the responsibility of picking a new flavor every day. And that's where Pilsy comes in with his pick of the day. Guys, it's beautiful weather out. It's strawberry season. You can go Whoa. head out to a farm, pick your own strawberries, get a nice a nice basket of them. There's nothing better than coming home and having fresh strawberries. But if you're not able to do that, a close second is Strawberry Built Bar. It's an amazing flavor. I've said it before. Sometimes the fruit and chocolate doesn't mix. Sometimes people don't get it quite right. But Built Bar is the exception to that rule. All their fruit flavors are amazing. You got to try them. There's orange, there's raspberry, there's cherry barcia. But today, go get yourself a strawberry Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and see all the great flavors and products available. And when you check out, make sure you write the promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com and you'll get. 15% off your next order. Make sure you're locked on Senators wherever you download your podcast. You can subscribe on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, or on the Odyssey app and follow us on social media as well. We love interacting with you there at Send Central on Twitter and lockedon.senators on Instagram. If you missed any of last week's, you can go listen to them now. Matt Sogart, second round pick in the 2019 NHL draft so it'll be the two-year anniversary of then tomorrow right because they do the first round on June 21st 2019 Pilsy the Ottawa Senators selected Lassie Thompson at 19 this was the draft where Ottawa gave Colorado their first round pick choosing Brady Kachuk in 2018 how do you think that the 2019 draft played out looking back now, two years later. I mean, it's still early to look back at a draft, but it's always fun to see how the shift in rankings go and value so soon after their pick. Yeah, and like looking back at the 2019 draft, there's a lot of studs that happened in this first round, like especially like the top 15. We were talking about it. It's crazy that Cole Caulfield went all the way to 15, but there's not too many uh, substitutions that I would have made there. Like maybe you bump them up to top 10 for sure, but all these guys seem like they're going to have really good NHL careers. Now, of course, we're talking about the Sens pick at number 19, Lassie Thompson, and that's one where, like you said, also it's early, so we don't want to get too into it. But I think there's there's a couple of different decisions you could have made. And looking from 19 all the way to 32, 32 was Ottawa's selection in the second round, the first pick of the second round. And we kind of agreed, Ross. I think the Senators, it would have been a good choice to go for Shane Pinto at number 19. Mind you, they yeah. got him at 32, so it's a moot point. Like, who cares? But Really, Shane Pinto is better than most or all of those players picked ahead of him, I would say. You know that only eight players have played more than the 12 games Pinto has under his belt already? His seven points would put him seventh in this draft class. Now, it's so early as well. Like Alex Turcotte and Maurice Sider, the fifth and sixth overall picks, still haven't made their impact at the NHL level, whereas other guys are just getting their feet wet like Cole Caulfield and Alex Newhook, namely. But you look at how this top nine, let's say top 20 went. I think that Lassie Thompson is the 20th of 20 players. I'd even put Billy Hainola, who went one pick after him, ahead. But what can Lassie do this upcoming season to turn heads and say, okay, I see the value in what he can do down the road? Well, one thing, Ross, and it was something that made us so enamored with him while we were watching him over in Finland and when he was with the Kelowna Rockets, 
where was the Tom bomb in Belleville, right? Yeah. Like he's got one hell of a clapper. I can't, can you think of any highlights of him even using that slap shot? I can't think of a single one, let alone scoring with it. And so first off, you like what's one thing we always talk about with prospects that makes them stand out have one defining aspect of your game that no one can really match with and I would say for Lassie Thompson it's that slap shot but he doesn't utilize it so what I want to see from Lassie Thompson to raise his stock Laleem's Martian stocks going up and down here if you want that stock to go up you got to be top guy on the power play and use that slap shot when you get a chance because if you can use it it creates more options just in general because teams are going to be noticing it and they're going to be trying to block that shot. So if they're really focusing on it and they're trying to block it, then you do the fake shot and you open up so much ice. He has the opportunity. Well, we don't know what the Sens are going to do in the offseason, but right now he's penciled in as their like top power play defenseman, right? Yeah. There's no reason why he shouldn't be anchoring that top power play unit until, until Jordan Murray comes back. Yeah, yeah, until Jordan Murray comes back. Yeah, for sure. But like he he has the opportunity to do that. And I think Troy Mann is going to use him a lot more this year because now he's got a season in the AHL under his belt. And he's he's got to have a little more confidence too because Belleville ended that season off so hot. It's the same thing we're talking about with the Sens. They're going to use that hot streak that the end of the season happened and carry that momentum into next season knowing, hey, we've got the confidence. We've got the guys to make this happen. And they're only going to get better like they're going to bolster that team in this offseason I think I don't think there's going to be a lot of Ottawa Senators acquisitions but we know Belleville struggled and there was a lot of holes in that roster so I know they're going to go in this offseason and try to get some veterans to help them out so I think Lassie Thompson is going to have a big bounce back season here yeah he only had one goal in 35 games with Belleville last year and the really alarming thing for me is that even in that hot streak at the end of the year, Belleville won eight straight games before losing the finale. Lassie Thompson had back-to-back assists and was plus three in the first two games, but then he finished the year minus six with one assist during that streak. So they're winning games, and he's still out there on the wrong side of five-on-five scoring. Now, I don't know deep into the analytics, but we watched a healthy amount of these games as well, and he's just not controlling the pace of play. He looks like a guy who's reacting not driving the play. So hopefully with age that comes because he's still very young and there's still lots of road ahead of what he could be. He, he needs to figure it out if he wants to be a part of the future of Ottawa's blue line. Yeah. And there's a lot of time left, so that's good. But I think even Troy Mann said it uh, at the beginning of the season, like Lassie Thompson was just put into a role that he wasn't quite ready for through no fault of his own, through no fault of the coaching. It was just the roster. There was injuries, the call-ups to the Sens, all these kinds of things. And it forced Lassie Thompson to do things that he's not really comfortable or ready for at the AHL level. So I think the minus six, definitely that's glaring. I didn't even really realize that, that that's how he ended the season off. But you also have to understand that if you get him with a strong defensive shutdown guy, you know we love our yin and yang pair. So get him with a guy who can be responsible and take care of things in his own end. I think you're going to see Elastic Thompson really emerge because then he's going to be more confident in his offensive ability. Where he, That's where he really shines, let's be honest. Yeah, let's hope so. There's uh, lots of rope left, but going into his second year in North America, his fourth year pro, right? Two years with Eels in the Finnish Pro League, and now coming into his second with Belleville. We expect a little bit more, but it'll be fun to watch because the right side of Belleville's D will probably include him and Jacob Bernard Docker. So prospects aplenty down in Belleville. And 
I don't think Shane Pinto is going to see another game in Belleville, another, and never played. He's uh, right to an NHL type guy. And he really lived up to that with six points in his last seven games. And there's not many guys in the bottom 10. Like I, I told you top 20 before. So let's go below 20. I, like we said, I think Shane Pinto would have been the right pick for Ottawa to take at 19 in hindsight. So that's the good news for Ottawa coming out of that draft. They also had big mad Sogard there at 37. And you know what? The only guy behind him that you could see and be like, oh man, how'd they miss on him would be Niels Hoglander. And that would have just been another pair of omelets. And I don't know if Ottawa's big enough to have two guys with a pair of omelets, eh? Well, that's why they had to ship Marcus Hogberg out, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he asked for umlauts and Melnick <laughs> was like, no guy, no chance for that. But always fun to look back at the drafts. And we have another one coming up soon. And this is going to be your number one home leading up to the NHL draft. We're going to have all of our experts on. We're going to go get our rankings finalized by the end of this week and start our countdown from 75. Remember, the Ottawa Senators pick 10, 39, 42, and 74 before taking a huge break before their late picks at the end of the draft. So we're going to be your number one home for that, as I mentioned, with Scott Wheeler joining us on Thursday and Friday, more likely. Depends what time. We're still working on what time, so it might be Wednesday, Thursday. But later this week, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic following his final rankings. Pills, it'll be exciting to see how he sees the top 10 shaking out. Yeah, recurring guest of the show, one of Athletic's best prospect writers for sure. We love having Scott Wheeler on, and I can't wait to see how his rankings shape up because this draft is just so interesting. We've talked about it so much, like different scouts and reporters, they have such different ways of ranking their guys and what they use. And this year, man, they got a scrape at the bottom of the barrel. And if there's a video of a guy skating on a backyard rink, you got to analyze that to see what his stride is looking like, because there's just so limited tape available of a lot of these guys. So I can't wait to see what his rankings look like. And you guys know, of course, he drops his rankings. We're getting him on the show for you guys immediately after. The very next day. So to go back to his mid-season rankings, he had a very interesting top three and I think it's guys who we value a little bit higher as well now Mason McTavish we know he's going to make a huge jump up the boards we'll see where he ends up but at his midterm he had Owen Power one Kent Johnson at two and then Brant Clark at number three so that's something that we didn't see from anybody outside of Wheeler yeah, I mean, I'm a big Ken Johnson fan, but at two, that seems pretty intense. Like ha- not having a Matt Beniers in your top three seems like a like a real intense move. Yeah, he has him at five. Yeah, okay. Interesting, interesting. So this top 10 is going to shake out so interesting. I think I, I definitely want to talk to Scott Wheeler about Jesper Wallstad as well. We got to get some goalie talk on the show or even Casa. Like it's interesting to see how that guy has been ranked differently in a lot of different uh, reporters and prospect scouts eyes. Yeah, we're really fired up for this because not only is it the last time the Senators will have a top 10 pick knock on wood yep. for the next little while, but they're really, I think, bubbling over with prospects once they finish up this draft. And then you know what the next step is from there, Pilsy. You decide which ones are going to be a part of the future and which ones you can package for a trade to get a more established NHL veteran. That's the tough part. Like you can get out there and acquire as many players as you want from your amateur scouts, but you have to pick which ones are going to fit in at the right time at the NHL level. So if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, you are in a very interesting part 
of the rebuild. And we're going to be here every step of the way with you. We're as excited as you. It's the show by fans for fans. And we hope that it makes you just a little bit better as a Sens fan. And we appreciate you sticking with us through the off season as it's been now 38 days since the Ottawa Senators last played a game. But that doesn't mean nostalgia can't be tapped into. And we asked on Twitter, what are some of your best and worst memories watching the Sens away from Ottawa? I bet there's a ton of great answers. We'll dive into those after we talk about our number one sports book at the Locked On Podcast Network. It's BetOnline. Now, BetOnline.ag has been ahead of their game, right? You look at what you want in a sports book. You want great odds? They got it. You want awesome welcome bonuses? Well, because you're a listener of the Locked On Senators podcast, you are entitled to a 50% welcome bonus. 5-0. 50%. You put in $200, $100, bingo, bango, bongo, right into your account. Put in $100, and that's $50 right there for you. Pilsy, you had a tough week of last. It, it's in the past. It's done. It's over. We took Friday off of the read. Now you're regrouped. What's your parlay of the day, man? How are you going to get back on track? Well, th- there's only one thing you need to know, and that's I will not be supporting the Islanders after they <laughs> left me hanging last game. The one time I decided to switch, they did not get the job done. So we're going head head back to Tampa Bay, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. I'm taking Tampa Bay money line at minus 185, and then. I like goals, 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 goals. So I'm taking the over and the over is set at five and that's at minus 123. So the money line, Tampa Bay and the over, put that into a parlay, put 10 bucks in. You're going to win 1793, a marginal one. But like Ross said, I've been cold lately, so I'm not trying to risk too much here. So that is Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, Pilsy, before we get into some of the best and worst experiences that Sens fans have had on the road watching their team, the award voting is always fun to see when it comes out. It's even more fun when we can drag the particular reporters when their voting becomes public later in the offseason. But we do have the numbers. And for the Frank J. Selke Trophy, best defensive forward, we know that Alex Barkov won it. Second place was Patrice Bergeron. And third place was Mark Stone. But if you scroll down just a little bit further, getting four votes, one second place vote, and three fifth place votes is none other than Connor Brown tied in points, I may add, with Jean Gabriel Pajot, who, funny enough, got one vote, but it was a first place vote. Like this is what I mean. The rant, the voting is just all over the place. But you go to the very bottom, tied for twenty seventh, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Nick Paul, three three branches from the same tree. Yeah, if you're Nick Paul, you got to love to see that. That's uh, Those are two guys you definitely want your name attached to when it comes to ranking and award voting. But yeah, uh, Alexander Barkov, this guy deserves that award for sure. And you know what? I'm glad that finally Mark Stone is getting some proper recognition, though. Like third place behind only Barkov and Bergeron, like that's right where you want to be, especially as a winger, to be up that high. So great on Mark Stone getting that recognition with third place. Did you hear there's a, a bunch of discourse online that 15 voters just left Bergeron off their ballot? Didn't have him in the top five. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I think you got to find room for Bergeron somewhere in your top five of Selkie voting. The galaxy brain thoughts that go on in the voting sometimes are too much for me, man. Like I mentioned Pajot, one vote and it was first place. Like I could see him getting a fifth place vote here or there. I always find that's hilarious. And then a guy like Valerie Nakushkin with Colorado, one vote, but it was a second place vote. Like... <laughs> Some people, I guess they do have to answer for it because eventually it will be public and you bet that we will call out those who need to be called out when those become public knowledge. So stay tuned for that. But we did want to give some stick caps to the elite penalty killing duo of Connor Brown and Nick Paul. The best is yet to come for both of those. The best is yet to come for us as fans too because once we're back in buildings, not only are we going to be back at the CTC, but nothing is more fun than taking a look at the schedule finding a time where the senators are on the road, either in a city near you or somewhere you wanted to visit and you go and you want to watch them. So you go in, you're rocking the Sens gear. Sometimes it's a great experience and other times things happen there that are out of your control. We saw Suns in four guy have a, a tough time in Denver until he became kind of a living local legend in Phoenix. But what, uh, what are memories? You've only really seen them in Buffalo, right? Pills. Well, Buffalo and Toronto, yeah, but um, I definitely, Buffalo's my spot to go because you get, the tickets are fairly cheap there. It's not a far drive if you're in this part of Ontario, farther away from Ottawa, and you don't have to pay the prices to see Leafs games. So I've always gone to Buffalo. It's a decent arena there. It's not a far drive as long as the border isn't too crazy, but Hmm. that's my spot. Um, Other than that, yeah, I'd like to get out to more arenas. Ross, I was just thinking we should do some sort of Twitter poll or something. The most, the city with the most locked on senders fans, we should do a road trip there or a plane trip. If we got to fly, if it's far enough, we should go there and we'll do a meet and greet or a live episode or something there. Cause that would be a blast. eh? Please be Arizona, LA, yeah. Florida, <laughs> Tampa. I need to go somewhere warm, man. Although, Imagine it's Edmonton. Oh, maybe we'll cancel that idea. No, Sorry. No disrespect to Dylan call send central citizen a couple weeks ago out there <laughs> up in Edmonton. So no, that's a great idea, Pilsy. I, I do have to say, though, there's nothing better than Ottawa in the summer. I'm back home right now, and this city just rules. Best biking city in, for my money, and just the amount of green space downtown, like all the historic old buildings and the little hills that you see and the monuments. And I'm one of those guys that stops and reads all the descriptions every time. <laughs> Tell it to I, Dougie Hamilton, Ross. Oh, Dougie yeah. Hamilton, CC. This segment is actually for Dougie Hamilton. (laughs) No, if you haven't been to Ottawa in the the summer, it's an unbelievable city. So food scene's really catching up as well. So it's going to be awesome once all the restrictions are lifted and we're back better than ever. And uh, then that just means we're closer to Sens hockey as well. And let's get in to some of those experiences. For me, my favorite experience was seeing the Sens in Vancouver, not even at their own stadium, though. It was the BC Place outdoor game. Ottawa goes down 2-0 fairly early in the game as well, wearing some of the best jerseys all time. Those cream heritage O jerseys, fantastic. And then Ottawa storms back. One goal, two goals, three goals. And there was already a very high temperature amongst the fan base with John Tortorella. And he scratched Roberto Luongo for that game, made him watch it on the bench. It was Eddie Lack that played. And then and Roberto, Luongo got a set of pads specifically yeah. for that game. Like he went, he balled out and got pads for that game and he yeah. sat him. 
Yikes, he could have taken the, the thermos jokes from uh, Ilya Breeze-Galov from back in the day with his outdoor game experience. But it was kind of weird. It was an outdoor-indoor game because they uh, they had the rain going in Vancouver. Shocker, I know, in early March in Vancouver. But it was so fun. And you know what? I think the Vancouver fans hated how the Canucks were playing more than we did. So like, it was obviously very good-natured. And the photo I posted on San Sancho was kind of cool. They took a panoramic shot of the entire stadium. And you zoom in, and it turned out to be at a point where everyone just looks so mad. And then my buddy Wes and I are just smiling at each other and looking down. So it's just kind of a tale of two stories. And then for my worst experience, shocker again, Toronto Maple Leafs had a little beer poured on me. And you know what? You just kind of take it and laugh. And you had to go sons and four guy on him, Ross. That's no. what happened to him. He got a beer pulled on him, and he the fists went flying. Yeah, I just decided to leave it. And then uh, I posted the clip on Twitter in one of the replies, but uh, it was Kyle Turisk went bar and up. It went bar, crossbar, and in the back of the net past James Reimer for the win in 2012. So that would have been Kyle Turris's first season in Ottawa, probably just after he was acquired. So you know what? The memory of the win lasts longer. Shout out Kyle Turris too. Hey, Mr. Overtime in the playoffs, the guy who ruined Austin Matthews' four-goal game. I love me some Kyle Turris talk. So those were some of my best and worst experiences watching the Sens on the road. I can't wait to get to more games. I was also at the game in New York where there was a a little battle at the end of the game and Sens prospects did an awesome video, like transcribing what Brady was saying. He was like wooing at everybody and just having a great time. So always those times can be fun on the road, but they're stressful too sometimes. And there were so many great answers on this thread photos as well. I don't even think it'll do it justice to just read them off. I feel like people just have to go and see it for themselves. Sense chirp mentioning he was at sense Rangers game seven in 2012. And he just remembers excessively celebrating Alfie's third period goal in a stadium full of angry New Yorkers. But that's the fun of it, man. Sports are meant to be fun. And you just have to shake your head at those who get angry and want to be physically confrontational at a, at a sporting event i just don't get those pe- kind of people yeah i mean especially like with covid restrictions easing up and we're finally allowed back that's the last thing we need in the stands is fans causing problems like that just be happy to be there and enjoy the game so yeah i i'm gonna make a point to go to at least one or two away games this year in places i haven't been if i'm able to do that because I got to check out different spots. So definitely we got to find which city has the most locked on centers fans and we'll head there because that's going to be an absolute blast. Yeah. If you want us to come join you at a Sens game, once the schedule's out, hit us up. We'll be glad to be there. We want to, you know, add to the Rolodex here and get some content from different arenas would be a ton of fun. Hopefully Joey Decord is still part of the mix. Then did you see the gift that he got his dad for father's day? That was all time. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you're a dad, like being able to see your son that like how many hours did he spend driving Joey to the rink, driving Joey to goalie camps and you you get rewarded in these kinds of ways when your kid is in the NHL and definitely shows his appreciation towards you. So, good on the decords and yeah, we want to keep Joey around as long as we can. That's just a salt of the earth guy and a, a great goaltender to 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 boot. Yeah, we'll find out soon and later. July 17th, the Ottawa Senators and the other 30 teams will have to submit their protection list to the Seattle Kraken, who will then have their pick of the litter beyond that. I'm really hoping that all the lists are made public. I don't know if they will be with the hurt feelings and all that from guys who maybe are exposed because they don't think they'll be picked, big salary and all that. 
usually the the major ones will come out and that's when trade talks will really heat up through the summer there's nothing better than an expansion draft like it just it puts the whole league on its head everything changes and then you get to see what the aftermath of the expansion draft is almost as exciting because then you're like Seattle took 12 defensemen what are they going to do with all these guys and then you see the trades the draft moves all these kinds of stuff so and hey I think Seattle that's a great hockey city like that team is going to flourish there and I hope they get a decent roster so they can kick things off maybe not as good as Vegas to start that's a little much going to the Stanley Cup Finals your first friggin' year but I think they're going to have a good spot and the fans are going to love it there that rivalry between Seattle and Vancouver is going to be heated yeah, Chris Tierney will look good in those cracking colors, but no, we'll find out who it is. And we'll have our ear to the ground and let you know as soon as we hear anything in regards to players that could be on the move to Seattle or otherwise. Hope everyone has a great day. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned the rest of the week as well. I mentioned Scott Wheeler. We'll have another Send Central Citizen. And every day is a day closer to the draft on July 23rd. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.